Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. And this is a very quick plug for It's Good Except It Sucks, a movie by movie and television series by television series hurtled through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Though if you prefer, you could listen to Ken Loach on At Lunch With, Martin Scorsese on the BFI podcast, or Jennifer Anderson on Thrive Global instead. It's basically me and the series of guests, some of whom you might have heard on Looks Unfamiliar, but there's a couple of surprises coming up as well, talking about each film and TV series in turn. I'll admit it was partly inspired by the recent annoying outbreak of sneering started by certain people within the film industry who really didn't have anything much to say about the Marvel movies but were determined to say it anyway and then picked up en masse by critics looking for a couple of hundred extra clicks and filmier than thou bores who were looking for an excuse to go ah about some award-winning Venezuelan comedy with no jokes in it about an orphan who sues the harbours department for not being harbours enough or something which is not only unbearably high-handed and snotty but also more than a little ridiculous when you consider that they're mostly very good films indeed and that the whole fuss erupted only very shortly after the release of Avengers Endgame, a three-hour film that absolutely nobody can blame was overlong or tedious. But really, it's mostly about having a bit of fun discussing these movies and TV series that are in themselves a lot of fun. And here's a couple of clips to show the fun that we've been having. You can find the full shows of It's Good Accepted Sucks at timworthington.org. Download them onto your Zoom now. You say Robert Downey Jr. carries this. Bridges is so good in this. Yes. Yes, admittedly, it does create a problem when Endgame comes around in that Tony Stark makes a reference to the Big Lebowski, which has caused existential angst in me ever since he did that. Because who played the Big Lebowski in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Was it still Jeff Bridges, and does Jeff Bridges just look like Obadiah Stane? And the problem with, particularly with something like The Hulk, is what the audience wants, and what the protagonist wants, are completely opposed because what I want to do when I want to go see a, a film about the Hulk is I want to see this big green rage monster smashing up things in an amusing way, ideally. And what Banner wants is definitely not that to happen. The bit where he finds the new element in order to save himself, it seems to me to come as a little bit of a kind of deus ex machina moment where he finds it amongst the information that he's given about the 1974 Stark Expo. Almost like his father knew he would need it at some point, which slightly jarred with me that I almost felt like they just needed a way to shoehorn it in. But because I don't know anything about the comics, is that canon? Is that how it happens? What I really, really love about Chris Hemsworth in this film is sort of not far off the same sort of time he was in Cabin in the Woods, but what a lot of people don't realise is Cabin in the Woods was filmed the year before Thor, Mm. but released the year after Thor. And in Cabin in the Woods, you know, Chris Hemsworth is playing a sort of it's you know it's a kooky film, it's a, a horror film. Um, he's playing you know a bit of a bit of a, an idiot, bit of a muscle man, and it, the role is entirely 
different, but almost Cabin in the Woods almost certainly wouldn't have got a release if it wasn't for Thor. Managing to sort of find an organisation worse than the Nazis, you know, with with two-handed salutes instead of one, is really, really going for it, I think. And Hugo Weaving is a terrific villain. There's a reason why he's perpetually cast in villainous roles, and it's because he's jolly good at being thoroughly evil. And the moment when he kind of removes his face, which again is such a fantastic thing to do if you're able to, to reveal the red skull is, you know. It's just fantastic stuff. Just on the subject of one-liners there, there's one of my all-time favourites, which is after Loki has been completely ragdolled by the Hulk and the Hulk stomps away and says, puny God, which is just just fantastic. I mean, you'd think, you know, I mean, obviously the Hulk is a, a chap of few words. I think, I think that's fair to say. He hasn't been terribly well served in the past in terms of zingers. Just as Russell T. Davis pointed out, that Doctor Who writers used to hate writing dialogue for Daleks because they thought it was, you know, just kind of boring and one note. And then he came along and then he made Dalek dialogue really intelligent and fun. Item 47 was a leftover weapon from the Avengers. And this is where I think the uh, potential for the one shots is because it's things that you didn't think you'd care about and then suddenly you go, yeah, there's all this rubble, there's all this stuff. Mm. Who cleans it up? Well, it's S.H.I.E.L.D. Fantastic. That would have been, again, a lovely thing for us to see in the TV show, but the TV show turned into damage control really mm. even though it wasn't damage control and then damage control turned up in one of the Spider-Man movies and I don't really know my comic books that well and I'm already confused trying to get all the references on this 